0: Forever refuses to wear pants. No matter how much you pressure me, I'm not going to wear pants. I, they're just not comfortable. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Anyway, I'm your host, Amanda, and of course, I'm not wearing pants. This is episode 143 and my special guest today is Elise Holiday, a personal style coach and creator of The Unfolding, a personal style development program designed to help you define your authentic personal style, learn to shop strategically, and find wardrobe ease. If you're wondering what wardrobe ease is, we're going to talk about it a lot today. Elise wants you to learn how to be stylish, not buy stylish, and there is a really important distinction there. Today, we're going to talk all about that. Elise will break down some of the obstacles that give a lot of people, myself included, major anxiety when it comes to clothing, and we'll discuss how these obstacles often lead us down the path of buying a lot of clothes that don't make us happy, and we all know how that goes. If the clothes don't make you happy, then you just buy some more and you keep buying more with the hopes of someday finding those clothes that make you happy. It's oh, it's a problem I know way too well. Shopping and clothing are so emotional for us. They're so tied up in all of the ways we feel about ourselves and our place in the world. It makes me angry when clothing and style are dismissed as shallow, unimportant things, but don't worry. Elise and I are going to explain why, and that's all caps, why caring about what you wear is neither shallow nor unimportant. But before that, dun dun it's November. And as promised, for the rest of the year, I'll be sharing audio essays from small businesses in each episode. You know by now, you're probably tired of hearing me saying it, but I'm going to say it again, that I believe that small business is the future. And the future depends on the wealth redistribution of small businesses over just like a few mega businesses. So I'm always looking for ways to use my platform to highlight all of the rad creative people in our community. Chances are you are one of them if you're listening to this. In addition to the audio essays, I'm also sharing carousels of my favorite small businesses on Instagram each week. I just did one a few days ago, and I'll do another one. I think Tuesdays are probably going to be the day that I do it. We'll see. Mondays or Tuesdays. I'm hoping to also host some Instagram live panel conversations with small businesses in our community, but so far, the interest has been anemic at best. We'll see if it works out, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, um... That's just how it goes, right? It's it's good to try new things and they don't always work out. The deadline has passed for submitting audio essays, but I could not be happier, could not be more delighted with the quality, quantity, and variety of essays that I received this time, so thank you to all of you. I'm sort of doing them in the order I receive them, so if you're listening to this and wondering when your essay is coming up, it's kinda gonna relate to how close to the deadline you submitted. So today we're going to get this rolling with two different small businesses. We have Megan of Hard Times Collective, literally the first person to submit an audio essay. And then Lydia, who all of you longtime listeners know from her infamous, and I mean infamous, life-changing, a little bit nightmare-causing, bloody sweatpants stain removal miracle, which she called in about, wow, I mean, is it years ago at this point? I have no idea. Anyway. Lydia is the co-owner of Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl, so you're going to hear from her as well. Hello, Clothes Horse
1: podcast listeners. I'm Megan, and my small business is Hard Times Collective. Um, I co-manage this business with my business partner, Kayla. Uh, We are a women and queer-owned business. It's really important for me to identify this way to represent really all humans or anyone that feels like they're part of a minority, um, regardless of gender, sexuality, and race. Hard Times was built in the last year to cater to our community here in Louisville, Kentucky. We serve over 50 vintage and secondhand resellers, as well as local artists and makers, Uh, We truly welcome all humans to come shop our pop-up markets. Uh, We cater and provide a safe space for everyone to be themselves and find friends in a like-minded community. We promote buying secondhand first, and this mentality is incredibly important to us and is woven throughout all of our small business values. Um, I personally spent the last 11 years of my life trying to climb the retail corporate ladder. Uh, Honestly, at this point, over the last couple of years, I found myself stressed, exhausted, and have literally felt the joy being sucked out of me. Um, So after experiencing and going through that, I decided it was time, it was really time, to take a new path in my life when I realized... Uh, My job was no longer life-giving or aligned at all with my current values. Um, Kayla came to me. We, one, we first met each other um, September 2021 at a local waterfront market. We were both set up next to each other. We were booth neighbors and just became fast friends, and we really just saw eye to eye on business and secondhand values and sustainability and we just became fast friends and earlier this year in 2022 in May, April, it was April, uh, Kayla and I had coffee and we caught up and we're like, okay, it's time. Let's do this thing. And Hard Times Collective was born Um, and it's just been fast running ever since and our markets have been successful. We've received so much positive uh, response from our vendors and our customers and from the community. And because of that, we are able to launch a brick and mortar space. Yay. We're so excited. Um, this brick and mortar space is going to be opening in Butchertown. Um, a new up and coming area in Louisville. Um, We're gonna be able to cater to 20 to 40 vendors, possibly more um, that we will be able to showcase secondhand and vintage resell items as well as local artists and made goods. And we're so, so excited to be able to bring that to our community. Uh, Louisville has been craving more secondhand shopping experiences, and it's really important for Kayla and I to be able to create this permanent space for our customers. Uh, We will be able to provide a beautiful and bright shopping experience, and we'll be able to provide a welcoming and safe space for our customers while promoting an inclusive and sustainable lifestyle. We would love for you to follow and support us. You can find us on Instagram at hardtimes.collective and I appreciate all of your support for this small woman-owned queer
2: business. Thank you. Hi, this is Lydia of Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl, which is a record shop that also sells vintage based out of Tarboro, North Carolina. I'm the co-owner along with my partner, John, and yes, we broke the cardinal rule of not going into business with a significant other. It definitely makes life interesting. So we moved to Tarboro in 2017 when our son was an infant because of a house in my family. We've been living in seattle prior to moving here and when the movers got everything packed up and ready they looked at us dead serious and said you know you're just paying to have a record collection shipped across the country your personal belongings are negligible and such is the life of an audiophile first order of business in the new house of course was getting custom record shelves in all the closets And as we slowly built up our new life with a baby in a small town, I quickly realized a few things. Number one, there's a severe lack of things to do in small towns. It's the Bible Belt, and almost everything is closed on Sundays. I know how much Close Horse hates brunch and all that it stands for, but around here, we don't even have brunch. And number two... John was still working remotely for a record label and boxes and boxes of records would arrive almost weekly. I would see the records coming in, but I wasn't seeing anything going out and we were really running out of space, which leads me to the actual reason we opened a small business. I freaked out about the amount of records and lack of space in our house. I knew John had always had a pipe dream of owning a record shop. So I pushed him to just do it here. We weighed the pros and cons and we realized it was pretty low risk to rent a retail space here and there were plenty vacant spots available. So in April of 2018, we signed a lease on a pretty decent sized space on Main Street. When we opened, we knew we wanted to sell records, but we also wanted to sell some vintage clothing and housewares. Our first few years in business, I would host a free sing-along for kids and their families on Saturday mornings And this was born out of sheer boredom and a desire to seek and create some sort of community with other families in town. In addition to that, we knew we had to spell things out loud and clear from the get-go that we were an inclusive, family-friendly, safe space for all. It might sound strange that we felt compelled to sort of advertise that with a sign in the window, but I wanted to make it clear what we were about. We're not your average rural southern business, and we've always been very vocal about our ethics and beliefs, much to the chagrin of some folks in town. They don't always take kindly to progressive liberals around here. Some of them do, but a lot don't. So we had a nice few first years in business, and then of course 2020 happened. Thanks to the internet, pandemic unemployment, and SBA disaster relief loans, we managed to stay afloat we pivoted to doing lots of posting and selling online, and that was basically how we survived. We were pretty cautious throughout the whole pandemic since we had a young child at home, but now we're finally back to regular hours, open five days a week in the shop. The shop itself has really evolved from bare bones nothing into something we're really proud of, but it's taken a long time to get here. We've started having live music in the shop again like we did pre-pandemic, and this summer we've hosted three art shows by local artists with live music or a DJ. We've hosted photo shoots, yoga, and coming up soon here, we're actually expanding and opening a little bar in the back of our space. So, um, you know, I don't think I ever could have envisioned where we are now. And while we're super proud of what we've accomplished, I will say it hasn't been an easy road. I've learned as a small business owner that you won't know if something works until you try it, and that you can't please everyone. As a recovering people pleaser and an empath, I'm constantly redrawing my boundaries with what I share on our business social media. The whole pandemic mentality of sell, sell, sell via social media did a number on me, I think. And I'm trying to get back to a more casual place with it mentally. Our whole public persona is that we are a mom and pop record shop, just making it work one day at a time. But I've definitely reeled in the content that I share and have become a little more protective of my private life. It took me five years to learn that I needed to start blocking some people on our business page. Previously, I was of the mindset that I should let anyone follow us since we're a public business and a safe space. Alas, I have no regrets about blocking people who threaten our digital safe space, but I did have to learn that the hard way. Owning a small business has taught me that I don't need to be a lesser version of myself. We've always put our whole hearts into everything we do. I mean, records and vintage are our lifelong passions, and it's impossible to filter yourself when you're truly passionate about your business, nor should you have to. I guess I've learned I'm just not for everyone, and that's okay. These days, business is steady, knock on wood, and I know that comes from persistence and momentum and not giving up even when it feels like a lot. So to the people who follow us and have stuck around, we are so grateful for y'all. You've supported us through a challenging five years and hopefully for many more to come. Being a small business owner is not for the faint of heart, and we appreciate folks like you, Amanda, for shining a light on small businesses. I'd also like to give a shout out to Amanda's husband, Dusty. Um, I wrote this on October 7th, which is me and John's nine year anniversary, but it's also the same day I met Dusty back in 2013. So thank you, Amanda and Dusty, for being awesome and for playing Nintendo with our son. So this mom and pop could go on a date. You can find us online at www.shopcountryfeedback.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl. We'd love to see you IRL if you're ever in Eastern North Carolina at 420 North Main Street in downtown Tarboro. Thanks, y'all.
0: Thank you so much to Megan and Lydia for starting off this year's audio essay series in the best way possible. I mean, weren't those essays great? I am so excited to see the new space for Hard Times Collective play out because this is a really big deal. Opening your own space, it's major. And I really just can't wait to eventually visit Lydia and have a drink in her new bar. It sounds so cool. And honestly, it's the kind of a business of advice I would have given to diversify her business (laughs) okay well Lydia brought up something in her essay that I have to speak to more and no you're going to be surprised to hear it's not how her son made us play Super Mario World for like one million hours but by the way we loved it but instead it's this idea of boundaries on social media you know when I started Close Horse my experience with social media was pretty limited to you know sharing photos and inside jokes with my friends. Rarely did someone I didn't know show up in my comments or DMs and most likely they were just trying to offer me some opportunity to buy followers or be a fake influencer or whatever. And so I started... With this in retrospect, very naive idea when I started Close Horse, that blocking someone or deleting their comments was only squashing the spirit of community, just crushing it, right? Of it would be censoring and it would ruin dialogue, it would stunt conversation. And for the first year or so, I I stuck to that, but man, I took some major trolley abuse that, to be honest, Really messed up my mental health. In fact, I was shocked by how much this so called virtual space was messing up my brain in my very, very real life. But as we all know, social media is real life. No matter what anyone tries to tell you, everything you say or read or experience on social media is really happening, right? Your brain is real it's really in this world, it's really in your body. Well, guess what? All the things that your brain is engaging with are also real. And the people who say things to you or have conversations with you or comment, DM, what have you, they're real people too. This is not, we're not in the matrix as far as I know, I'll just say. (laughs) Okay. So if you don't believe that social media is real life, which I mean, at this point, I think we've all had enough practice that you probably do believe that it's real life, but just in case, I have two examples that will sway you over to my side here, our side, if you will. One, has anyone ever commented on one of your posts and it made you feel a strong way, whether that was good or bad? Did you think about it later? Did you think about it a lot later? Did you think about it while you were about to fall asleep three weeks later? These are all things that have happened to me. Have interactions you've had via social media affected your mood, ruined your day, or made it better? You know why? Because you are a real person who lives in real life, and yes, social media is a part of that real life. I think when we pretend that it's not real, we're sort of, we're deceiving ourselves about the power it has, the impact it has on our mental health and all these other things that we do. I'll tell you all that when you, one of you leaves a super nice or encouraging comment or sends me a DM about something you learned from me, it makes my day so much better. And it kind of keeps that fire burning that gets me working and keeps me motivated. Conversely, when someone sends me a cruel or disparaging message, it really messes with me. A few months ago, someone who had kind of been hanging around the online community for a while, like, and when I say like the online community, I mean, like, the Clothes Horse community, but also had been like following the department and commenting there, um, she sent me a really, for lack of better adjective, fucked up message that really triggered my issues with food and my body. Um, and I ended up basically starving myself for days, all while hating myself, crying when I had to look in the mirror. I mean, these things, these things have an impact, right? Even though this message came from someone I've literally never met in real life, the things that she said to me, she doesn't even know what I look like. It was really messed up, right? But this is this is social media, right? It's real. So that's one aspect of social media's influence on us, like our mental health. But what about this? Have you ever read or learned something on social media that changed the way you thought about something? Inspired you to do something differently? Have you ever made friends or built a community or even just made a purchase from a business you saw on social media? That all happened in real life, right? Even this idea that the friends we make on social media that we talk to regularly, interact with regularly, aren't our real friends. uh, I've definitely experienced that time and time again over the past few years as. Working on Clothes Horse introduced me to a whole new world of people that I would have never met otherwise. And when I finally meet people from my online circle in real life, I always feel like it's going to be weird and then it's just as natural as it could be. And you know why? Because we've been friends all this time. It's real. The feelings are real, right? You know, I was inspired to start Close Horse for two major reasons. And both were related to social media. First off, I had been following the account Future Dust on Instagram for a few years and it really inspired me to think more and more about my career and its impact on the world. And during that same time period, I found the podcast You're Wrong About via a social media recommendation and I became instantly obsessed because it made me want to start a podcast that debunked fashion as a whole, to really discuss The things that Future Dust had started making me think about when I saw their posts on Instagram. And to use that format of You're Wrong About to share my experience and change the way people looked at clothing, right? There's no way I would be working on Close Horse if it hadn't been for the inspiration and motivation that I received on social media. And While maybe you don't ever see me in real life and only interact with me on Instagram, but I want to assure you that Clothes Horse is a very real presence in my life. Here it is. It's a Sunday. And all I've done since they've gotten out of bed is work on Clothes Horse. I work on Clothes Horse every morning before I start my day job. I work on it every night when I'm done. And it's very real to me, you know? And this real thing started with social media. I once thought, like I said, of social media as some sort of fake place. I think that word virtual, right? It it implies artifice. But I was feeling the emotional impacts of it. Even if I saw someone that I'd really been into on a date with someone else or getting married or having a baby, like I would feel that pain. Or if someone had a party and didn't invite me and I saw the pictures, like I would feel that sadness. Like social media was having an impact on me even before I was Amanda of Clothes Horse. And as I began to build the Clothes Horse account, I realized that social media was a tool for building community and spreading information. And you know what else? I have felt the high, so good, of seeing people embrace the information I share and use it in their own lives. And I've also felt the pain of trolls and hate follows. But it's all real life to me. Ultimately, all of this is to say that I have changed my approach to the close Horse Instagram. This is my space. Not the social media app started by Tom, but my personal space, my internet living room, and if someone shows up to be a jerk to me or someone else who's there, they are immediately shown the door. I wouldn't let some asshole in my physical house to berate me or Dustin or Hutch or Brenda or Janet or any guests we have over here, and the same goes for my virtual house. You know what? Adopting that policy… It's been the best thing for me. The bad aspects of being a person on the internet were depleting my emotional energy, my intellectual energy, my drive to keep working for a better world. There were so many times that something that happened on Instagram made me want to quit making clothes horse to just walk away from it. I know some of you are hearing this and this is resonating with you because I've talked to other friends in our community Who have had moments like this as well, where sometimes that one person showing up to take their bad day out on you makes you want to give up. It overshadows all the good things that have happened, you know? All the great people you've met, all the change you've seen begin amongst so many people out there. (sighs) When you say that all out, it just doesn't add up, right? It shouldn't be that way. I'll tell you that closing the door on cruel people, on individuals who were just lashing out at a stranger because they'd had a bad day, it saved me. It gave me strength to do more work. And I cannot recommend that enough to all of you. It's it's your space. And no one who makes you feel bad is allowed to be there. You don't owe them anything. So take them to the curb. Thank you to Lydia for reminding me to talk about that, because it's it's advice I've been giving a lot of people lately, and I'm glad that I can share that with others. <laughs> Thank you, Lydia. Okay, now that we've covered all of that, let's jump right into my conversation with Elise. All right, Elise, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Hey everybody! Uh, my name is Elise Holiday. I'm a personal
3: style coach. I'm the creator of the Unfolding. I'm so excited to uh, come on Close Horse and chat with y'all today. It's an amazing podcast. I mean, thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. So Elise, when you reached out to me at first, I was like, Hey, Elise. Uh, I get a lot of stylists reaching out to me, and I'm kind of at my capacity for stylists stylist for the year. And you were like, no, I'm not a stylist. I do the <laughs> unfolding. It's totally different. So why don't you tell us what the unfolding is? The
3: Unfolding is my personal style development program where you will define your style, learn to shop strategically, and find wardrobes. So it's all the stuff I know about creating authentic personal style minus all the shit that will waste your time. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I made, I mean, I, really, like I made the Unfolding for the person who feels like style is a missing puzzle piece in their life. Mm-hmm. You, you care about how you dress, but also how you feel, whether or not you're shopping your values, right? How stressful mm-hmm. or easy your everyday dressing is. But you know, the, the same old style advice that you hear, the trends, you're you know sick of being sold new clothes, new essentials, um, and you really want real discernment when you shop, you want real wardrobe ease. Um, so, you know, like you said, unlike a personal stylist, I don't actually shop for my clients. I never wanted to make my program be about uh, consumption or being about, Uh, overriding your own internal wisdom about style. So I don't shop for my clients. I don't tell them what to wear. I don't give them any of that information. I help them uh, be stylish. I help them learn the skills of how to be stylish instead of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just how to buy new clothes or um, what they should wear. So it's a six-month program really designed to help you change how you feel in and about your clothes, Mm -hmm. um, not
0: just the external stuff. I mean, I love that it's six months long. I think that for some people, and I'm sure you encounter this when you introduce people to the unfolding, they're like, wait, six months? Half a year? But the kind of changes that you're talking about, which we're going to walk through, there is no quick fix. When Mm -hmm. you and I were preparing for this, we talked a lot about how our approach to shopping, styling, uh, making the right or wrong decisions about shopping, that kind of stuff is really, it really mimics diet culture, which we'll go into later. But so much of diet culture is also about like this quick instantaneous change. Like if you look at a cover of like People magazine, they'll be like, I lost 60 pounds in six days or something. (laughs) And you're like, what? That's don't lay those expectations out for people like real change takes real time, right? And when it comes to how we shop, why we shop, what we wear, what we don't wear, all of that stuff, it is so, it's so divorced from trends and body types and all these other things that were sold as the reason to shop or the rules for shopping. It's really so tied up in our psychology, right? identity. Yeah, Yeah. and of course you're not going to, Make those kinds of changes over six hours or even six weeks. I mean, six months is minimally what you need to accomplish something like yes. that,
3: yes, absolutely. And you know i do I do have people who are like this is this is a long time. like this is a really big commitment, but you know a lot of times what I say is, how much time are you already spending on your style um, <laughs> yeah. I mean. You know, people are coming to this and they're like, I'm wasting time scrolling. I'm having, you know, the morning wardrobe crisis. I'm standing in front of my closet every morning, feeling bad, taking the time, trying things on, taking them back off. You know, I'm going to the mall or I'm, I'm shopping online and returning stuff. Like, you are spending, I mean, if you're spending more than one hour a week on shopping and style, you are spending as much time as you're going to spend inside the unfolding. But the, the point isn't just to dump a bunch of information on you, and then be like, "Well, yeah, you got a Pinterest board now. Great,
0: go for <laughs> the it." The end. Yeah. The yeah. End. Yeah. And
3: that's and that's really where most style guides, most um, you know, I mean, even the curated closet, which I love, is kind of like, "Here, you've developed your lookbook. You've got your outfit formulas. Good job. It's it's done." Um, but you can. There's so much more that you can uncover and so much more that you can do when you have some time to integrate that. You know, you can toss your whole closet and rebuy a new wardrobe. You know, I'm gonna date myself here, but you know, we can do the what not to wear, like put it all in the pen <laughs> and like go buy a bunch of new stuff. Um, but then you then you're like you're still the same person. You still have the same habits, you still mm-hmm. have the same shopping motivations. So the lessons that you learn about you know, your mindset, your behaviors, your body image, how you feel in your clothes, what you want to feel like, why you emotionally shop. Like those things are impossible to learn or evolve or change without time and patience. And so, you know, this, again, the reason that this is six months is because I, I mean, I can make you a style guide. I could teach you like these core basic things. You can define an aesthetic in six days, but I want you to actually (laughs) like change your your actions, right? and and I, and I think that real wardrobe eases what people are actually craving,
0: yeah, I think so too. And you know, there's just so much emotion wrapped up in clothing and shopping, and it's interesting to me because I've been lately really obsessed with how how marketing plays on our insecurities and our emotions around stuff. And how other people view us, how we feel about ourselves, and that disconnect there, right? And uh, knowing how deeply psychological, even just like if you get an ad on Instagram that says, this is the bag you need for Mm. this fall. Mm -hmm. Like that, you can just dismiss that as an ad, but it's really playing on so many things that exists within all of us, our need to fit in, our need to feel like we're the person we're supposed to be or the yes. people want us to be, right? <clears throat> and these are not casual things that you just fix by like creating a Pinterest board or like what not to wear if they, I mean, I've talked about this before on the pod, but if they ever rebooted what not to wear. I would really like them to dig deeper into why people do the things that they do. Right. Um, you know, an episode I bring up all the time because it's stuck with me. I mean, wh- how long ago was that show on? It was well more than a decade ago, no, it was right? Like childhood, yeah. Yeah, I an episode that stuck with me, was this it's like woman. foundational for millennial women. We, like, <laughs> I think all so. Have... Right. Right. Uh, there was a woman who had hundreds of pairs of socks. Like that was her thing was, was funny socks. Right. And they made her throw them all out except for a handful. And she was literally sobbing as this mm-hmm. happened. And I know that some stuff gets played up for reality television, but I just thought like, why are we making this woman throw out her socks? Like, there's something to, bigger to going on there. To to societally acceptable beauty standards, obviously. Well, everyone at the end of every episode looked exactly the same. Same haircut, yes. same highlights, same nude lip. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. Glossy nude lip, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just...
3: And I, I mean, I think the culture around style has really changed in, you know, the last 10 or 20 years. This is something that I, I talk a lot about in in some of my... Uh, tradings and with my clients is this idea of of authenticity, okay. um, but it's really interesting when you're talking about marketing. Just to kind of go back all the way to that initial uh, initial topic. We have gained a lot of freedom around style. And there's a lot of conversation around authenticity and feeling like yourself in your clothes. But by opening that all the way up, we're still playing by the same rules about what clothes do, right? That clothes yes. signal status, that they signal the kind of person that we are, they signal class, they, um, you know, we are social creatures and and clothes are a way that we signal uh, belonging, like in-group belonging. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you are you know, working in a corporate office, if you're a lawyer, if you are working at a tech startup, if you work in fashion, if you are in LA or New York or London or wherever, there are very specific, I mean, there's a million examples that I could give. (laughs) I was like, but you know, there are yeah. very specific things that signal that you are part of that group, and so we are very sensitive to those things. Mm-hmm. Just as humans, we're visual creatures, we're social creatures, but the rules have kind of gone out the window, and so I mean, I'm not going to argue that like going back to incredibly rigid style and like gender roles is at all preferable. But now we're like, well. I don't know how to dress to signal that I'm correctly in this in group or that I should have this job or that I can be perceived in this way. And so it's no wonder that we are very, very susceptible to those marketing tactics because Mm -hmm. marketing works on us because all those tactics are major players in our motivations. They, they tug on our like really deep triggers and stories. And they're always, if you had that, you would be.
0: Yes. Agreed. I mean, like, if you have this bag, this bag that is the bag you must have. If then you buy all beige will, Elizabeth Suzanne, you'll be ethical. Yeah, like, exactly. Perfectly exactly. I think that's done. True. You know, I think that that we see this playing out in the slow fashion area as well because many people think that if you're going to have an ethical, thoughtful, sustainable wardrobe, all of those adjectives, right? That it has to be expensive, neutral colored, mm-hmm. you know. You, I don't know, very bland, right? right? And like for some people, that's their wheelhouse. Like that's that's how they want to dress, and that's That's their aesthetic
3: preference. And it makes sense because a lot of clothes are made that way because they're, you know, maybe they don't use chemical dyes. or There's natural fibers, and like there's there's underlying reasons there. But from it, it has become a signaling aesthetic.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I like a lot of times when I go to any sort of like slow fashion networking events, this is what I see. And in the beginning, it would really for me make me feel like such an outsider like how could why would anybody even want to listen to what I have to say because that's not my aesthetic and I realized like that was the crux of the puzzle that I had to solve or like what my mission would be which was that showing that all people of all aesthetics and all income levels can be a part of this and it's not just this really specific like thin blonde white woman in her like amorphous neutral tone hemp clothing Mm -hmm. That's yep. very expensive, right? Um, but that's that's the picture that's there that we're sort of fighting against. And, you know, that's, once again, like, that's the uniform. That's what you have to buy to be a part of this community. Or or that is how it seems, right? And so this is what we're trying to say, that, like, you don't have to do those things. Those things that's are what cool. lead us to buy more stuff. Even, you know, I have been very lucky in that I have never, knock on wood, had a job where I had to wear, like, business clothes, really? right? But... For the average person who has like a business clothes job, there are many jobs like that, right? Have you ever had to have a, cl- a job with business clothes? I,
3: I never had to wear like, f- you know, a suit or anything particularly formal, but I worked in tech for a decade and, you know,
0: it wasn't business clothes, but it certainly had a uniform. And... Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so we get into these stage, into these situations where it's like, okay, you have your work clothes and we're not talking about like actual work uniforms, but like these implied uniforms right implied yes and then those aren't your like real clothes in your mind right so you also need weekend clothes and then you need date clothes right mm-hmm. and then when the pandemic came you needed sweatsuits for staying at home like there was and always had to match no because week. you couldn't just be in your normal clothes you used <laughs> know, to own right or your normal weekend clothes or anything like you had to totally have different clothes right and then I even saw like during the pandemic I think for me You know, one, finally being out of fashion, that was very helpful for me, but also just like having that distance to see the ways in which blogs, magazines, and retailers themselves were really scrambling to find new ways to sell us stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, first it was like, okay, we're going to sell everybody fancy sweatsuits. Okay, now we're going to say, listen, you work for – this is the Zoom era, so you just need really nice shirts. You need Zoom (laughs) shirts, right? I would see this. Zoom tops, right? I would see them all – I was like – wow, we're like so desperate to sell people things right now that we're creating. Like Zoom Top is just as ridiculous as Guest of Wedding. And that Guest of Wedding is an email campaign I've worked on so many times because mm-hmm. really Guest of Wedding is just something you like that, to wear. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That is maybe a dress or a little dressier, but it's not like a specific – shopping uh need yeah, like that's how we sell it right yes yes
3: and I but I again I think this is because clothes have a lot of power and I don't mean trends or the fashion industry like I mean clothes as a way for us to express ourselves signal Mm -hmm. belonging signal status right this is has always been true for humans throughout all of history and you know I think one of the problems and Beyond all of the problems with the fashion industry, I think one of the problems for us as individuals is that we exist in a culture that tells us clothes are frivolous and shallow and you shouldn't care.
0: <laughs> but but
3: you, should also also, really care. <laughs> you should also really care. You should also really care. We, we know instinctively at, that we use clothes in this way to, again, you know, signal class status, Uh, in-group belonging, like all of this stuff. And so there's this huge cognitive dissonance and it shows up in the way that we act. It shows up in how we care, but we don't care, right? And this -hmm. is something that my clients always, I always hear this when, when my clients come to work with me, they're like, I want my insides and my outsides to match. I care so much and I kind of feel bad that I care, but I do care. And I want to care in a way that feels kind of aligned because because I care, I'm acting in all these ways that are out of alignment with my values. And I want to kind of like re, you know, shuffle that and like get to a place where I feel like I've come to equilibrium maybe on the way that I act and the way that I dress and the way that I think about my body and my consumption and my everyday experience with clothes. It's not just about how do I be fashionable? Mm -hmm. It's about how do I exist in this whole Set up because there's absolutely no moment when your clothes are not connected to industry, economics, politics, race, Mm -hmm. gender, your body, the environment like there's it's all interconnected. And so we we have this very powerful motivator to. And and I mean, a lot of times it, it ends In buying things because that's what we're (laughs) taught to do. But what we're striving for is to, to feel a certain way, um, you know, or to belong to a certain group or to feel like we are the kind of person who, whatever, um, you know, and so we want to feel like we can show up into our life in a way that feels genuine. And that's everything from going to a wedding and not feeling out of place to, you know, how you show up in your office and whether or not you're taken seriously. And, you know, your clothes and your appearance are a big part of that and your race and like your gender and all of that stuff. And so, of course, we're like, this is so important to me, but I also believe that it's dumb and shallow <laughs> so I have this like major conflict.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's t- totally true. I mean, the when I hear that, oh, it's just fashion, you know, it's just this silly, shallow thing, and anybody who cares about it is less intelligent or less valuable as a human, it fills me with so much rage because we're talking a ba- about a massive economic driver. Like it's not even just the retail and apparel industry. We're also talking about fashion magazines, entire, an entire sector of media that relies on telling us what clothes we should buy when, right? Uh, the clothing industry as a whole also fuels so much like secondhand industry here mm-hmm. in the United States. And to be honest, it fuels a lot of agriculture in the beginning end of it and a lot of waste management challenges at the mm-hmm. end. Like it's such a big deal and so many people are wrapped up in it uh, beyond just consumers, which I think when someone comes to the table and says, oh, it's just fashion, they're really like they're just thinking about the consumers of it. And it's just a massive employer and a massive impact on the environment right and p- then all the people involved in making and selling those clothes so I think I think that it's like healthy for all of us to finally say like hey it's not just clothes anymore
3: right this, and and, never and this can matter right yeah and it can I, matter yeah one of the things that I talk a lot about is this idea that you you can take it seriously and actually you have a better result if you take it seriously. And that can be everything from, you know, I, I care about how I look. Like, that is a value. It's mm-hmm. it's a value the same way that, you know, my, my ethics or my sustainability or my, you know, financial values. Uh-huh. Um, because I care about the way that it makes me feel and the way that I, you know, show up as an entrepreneur or, you know, in a certain space or like with other people or how other people perceive me. Um, but I also think about taking your style seriously in the sense of paying a lot of attention to how you act and how you shop and Mm. the time you spend. I mean, like, I think taking it seriously can also mean, well, instead of just scrolling for three hours and then buying the thing, like my, my willpower is drained. And so I'm just going to (laughs) buy like whatever random stuff that I saw influenced because I'm like overwhelmed Instead, spend that three hours making some strategic decisions and really thinking about: Is this going to make me feel the way that I want to feel? Is this going to make me feel good afterwards? And it's you know, I, I think often when I say that, people are like, "Oh, that's that sounds like so much work." But again, it's like, well, you're already spending so much mental and emotional energy and agony and what would yeah. happen if you channeled that into something that actually got you the result that you want and the result again i don't mean just your outfits look better when when i work with clients inside the unfolding my outfits look better is almost a side effect the <laughs> like they their clothes that you know their their clothes fit better they like their outfits better but the things that they really work on are i don't waste my time shopping anymore I don't go into a store and then get so overwhelmed I have a freak out in the dressing room and have to leave. I Mm -hmm. go to the store and actually am able to purchase something for this wedding or event or whatever that I need without, you know, absolutely losing it. Um, I don't blame my body anymore. I know that my body's not the problem now and I actually don't even, like, worry about that anymore when clothes don't fit me. Like, it's these other things that there's intention and there's... Focus, and I think that that's a an effect of taking it seriously, and recognizing that like, I mean, we we all like gripe about the fashion industry or whatever, but recognizing that, our taking it seriously is something that we can control. Our behaviors are something that we can control, mm-hmm. not in a like neoliberal like buy your way to ethical. <laughs> Right. Right. Like not like that, but like, well, if I'm feeling this motivation where I'm like, oh, well, I need to, you know, find the perfect effortless straight leg jeans and then I will be, you know, thin and beautiful and happy and like live in a beautiful house in California or whatever. If you're recognizing that, if you're taking that seriously and you're going, oh, what's pulling me? Mm -hmm. What am I feeling? Why am I scrolling through all of these jeans? What am I trying to do for myself right now? And then you can redirect that and... On the other hand, you can also find jeans that fit you the way that you want them to fit.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Instead yeah. of just
3: guessing. And so it's coming at
0: it from both directions. Totally, totally. And like, there's something wrong with wanting jeans that fit you all well, that you feel good wearing. I think that there's Absolutely so much not. stigma attached to caring. Yes.
3: You yes. know? <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember the cool girl? Uh the, yes. The cool girl archetype. I yes. feel like that's it's it plays so much into this, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't care, you're like effortlessly beautiful. You're low maintenance, but you still look gorgeous while you're chugging a beer, right? Like that yeah. cool girl archetype is so embedded in our culture and in so many, you know, popular culture media, movies, the woman who cares about how she looks is prissy and mm-hmm. high maintenance and fussy and annoying. She's the villain. She's you know, she's not the person that you are um,
0: pushed to kind of idolize. It's true. It's true. She's always like, ends up alone. She's always a <laughs> raging bitch. Yes. Um, right. She's like, not very smart. Uh, she's a bad friend. It's so, it's so true. I mean, I still see this kind of like, there's a subreddit that I follow called Not Like Other Girls. Mm. And this is the kind of Ugh. content I see where it's like, That's oh, me. all you other girls are out there like getting eyelash extensions and wearing like dresses but here I am I'm wearing like pea-stained clothes it's not that extreme but it's like very close where you're like right because makes you like a
3: morally better and more intellectual yeah. person
0: <laughs> yeah exactly even if you are wearing pea-stained clothes or whatever you're bragging right, about right. it's I always mean, something
3: I, really gross yeah. actually <laughs> Yeah. 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 And you know, we don't, we don't talk about the underlying or back to motivations, right? Like the underlying stories, the underlying motivations, why I wanted to be cool girl. That was definitely part of it for me. Like I said, I worked in tech and it was like wanting, I mean, I, I wanted to care about how I looked, but I was also like, I have to wear jeans and a tech t-shirt. Otherwise, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody will take me seriously as an engineer. And I went through that whole, that whole journey of being like, I mean, I remember going to the office and when I would try to dress up and people would be like, are you? do you have an interview? Like, are you? <laughs> like, what's? Like, I'm like, I'm not wearing a tri-blend polyester t-shirt. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I, I wanted to... W- <sighs> this is a, definitely a thing for women, right? Care, but not too much. Be hot, but not too hot. Be mm-hmm, like... Mm-hmm yeah think thinking always about the way that your appearance is received by other people um and so a big part of combating that I think is uh first kind of understanding what what you're even trying to get with your own style like what what is authenticity even kind of mean to you and Mm -hmm when i when i think about authenticity and style i really think about how do i show up and navigate the world that i live in in a way that doesn't make me feel like i'm wearing a costume or you know putting myself into a box and and i think it's really important to distinguish that authenticity isn't fuck you do whatever i want fuck the rules like (laughs) i i mean i i think when people think about authenticity they're like well do whatever you want fuck the haters Wear whatever you want. And that's great. And most of us live in a world where, you know, if you are black, if you are fat, if you are transgender, you go to your office and it very much matters how you dress. Mm -hmm. You are very much involved in a society that will judge you.
0: Yes, yes. I do find that that kind of direction is somewhat delusional when people are like, oh, you do you. And I'm like, it's not like that. Yeah. Like, I
3: wish it were. But it's not I wish it, I wish it was too but it's not and so how do we how do we do us within the constraints that we have to live in Right within right. within the constraints of the fashion industry which makes it hard for many of us to find clothes that fit our body really well within the constraints of knowing that we are going to be judged you know on our bodies and our clothes and so when i think about what authenticity means and how we kind of like defeat Perfectionism, we defeat those beauty standards. We defeat those sort of like cool girl slash hot girl slash intellectual. I'm intellectual, therefore I don't care about clothes. It's by really finding kind of a centered place in ourselves that's like this is the way that I bring myself, say, to work, mm-hmm. and it might not be the way that I want to bring myself on the weekend or on a date but it is a way that I can do it like within these confines that makes me feel okay. And doesn't feel like I'm, you know, crushing my own personality.
0: Yeah. Um, So that's, that's the challenge, right? Let's take a moment to thank a new supporter of close horse athletic greens. They have a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because it's important that I feel as healthy and energized as possible if I'm going to be able to do all the stuff I need to do in a given day, from working my day job to creating Clothes Horse to reading my ever-growing mountain of books. This means I need a supplement that fits into my life easily and is actually enjoyable to take. I've taken some very unenjoyable supplements. For a while, it seemed like half my suitcase for every business trip was just bottles of vitamins, and AG1 has changed my life because it only takes up a tiny, tiny bit of space in my bag, and I really enjoy taking it. Who says that about a supplement? I have never said that before, but I mean it. I've been on it for a few months now, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has a kind of mild tropical with a hint of vanilla taste that I actually look forward to each morning. I'm I'm serious, I, I'm excited to drink it in the morning. So you're probably asking like, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things you care about. It's very lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, or only Taco Bell, AG1 fits for you. It also costs you less than $3 a day. It's way cheaper, trust me, I did the math, than getting all of the different supplements yourself, which I appreciate as a very thrifty person. I also love that I'm skipping all of the plastic packaging ways for all of the supplements I was taking in the past. So many containers. I am not an athlete. When I do work out, it's in very uncool pajamas, but AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits for me. It's one thing I can do every single day to take great care of myself. For every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the United States. In 2020 alone, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. My other vitamins weren't doing anything for anybody else except filling up my suitcase. Right now is a great time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. Shake it up and enjoy it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Seriously, the first thing I do every morning, well, first I feed the cats, but then I mix up my scoop of of AG1 with some water, I shake it up, and I sit on the couch and drink it while I listen to NPR, and it is delightful. To make it easy, because I know you're so jealous, you want to try this now, Athletic Greens is going to offer you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash clotheshorse. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash clotheshorse to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's talk about what you do in the unfolding to help people reconcile this very, so complex world of getting dressed. It, like, once again, it's just so much more complicated than many of us will give us, give ourselves permission to believe, you know? Yeah. So where yeah. do you, where do you start?
3: So we start with really developing what i call your inner wisdom about style we start kind of training your eye and your brain and your observational skills to kind of understand what is it that i'm already doing what do i like what do i not like what am i even looking for and so from a tactical perspective this starts simply with logging your outfits taking photos of your outfits what you're actually wearing um and just sort of seeing what do I like? What do I think looks good? What is and isn't working for me? What am I drawn to? What do I keep reaching for? Mm -hmm. And this is really about getting closer to reality. I think a lot of us spend, when we think about our style, we spend 90% of our energy looking at inspiration and very little actually looking at ourselves or our own clothes. And that we invert that in the unfolding. We spend all of our time on our own vision, developing a visual vocabulary, kind of trying to define what it is that we're even trying to do. Because again, with your motivations, if you're like, well, I'm really, I really want to dress this certain way. Like my Pinterest board is full of, you know, colorful suits or, uh, you know, effortless girl, straight leg jeans and a white t-shirt. Like, well, why? What, draws you to that what do you like Mm -hmm. about it what are the things that you think that you can't wear because your body is a certain way or whatever and so we just start kind of untangling all of that but we start doing it with a focus on ourselves and our own clothes and our own body so from there what we spend the first couple months doing is building what i call a style profile so this is a very long a uh, document on, you know, <laughs> what what are your style words? What is your kind of like shorthand definition of your aesthetic? Um, what colors do you like? What fabrics? What shapes? What outfit formulas? And so, a lot of this will sound really familiar if you've ever read Curated Closet or you've done any, you know, worksheets or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But we get to it not by looking at Pinterest inspiration and going, "Oh, it's straight like jeans and white t-shirts and Gucci loafers." Um, it's instead like based in reality, it's based in what you are wearing, what your lifestyle is actually like, and, and building off of that and going, oh, I really liked that outfit. Or when I look at all of the outfits that I've been wearing, it turns out I feel better in the ones that have more color or in the ones that don't have color. And so how does that change what new outfits I might put together or what I might want to buy or why is it that I feel better when I wear color, but my Pinterest is full of white t-shirts?
0: Yeah, that's really, I mean, I, I love this already because I think that the way we're sold, the idea of getting dressed is that we're kind of told what we're supposed to want. And I think it makes us kind of, I don't know, it makes us make a lot of bad decisions. I mean, because we are not being intrinsically who we want to be. We're just letting the adjectives be thrown at us. And so I like the idea of reconciling with yourself. Like, who do you want to be? Yes. Who are you?
3: You can can put on the effortless girl uniform or Mm the ethical Elizabeth Suzanne all beige uniform, but (laughs) you're still you on the inside. Right. And so, you know, we have to get to this place where we actually have our own sense of what makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. And what makes us feel good in our particular life, in our particular body. Um, and one of the things that we do at this stage is we talk a lot about proportions and fit and uh, we talk about bone structure. And this is really answering the question, how come it looks good on her and not on me? Why do some things work on me and not others? Right, right. And this is a huge light bulb moment for people because so often we are going, well, I really want to wear you know, mini skirts or mini skirts or long pants or pleated trousers or whatever. When I do, I look,
0: insert negative thing here. It's always um, a negative thing. Yeah. It's never it's like... always a negative thing. Great. Yeah, exactly.
3: Right. And I, so, I mean, I think a lot of times, I see a lot of clients have this experience where they're like, I wore a, you know, 10 out of 10 outfit one time and I knew it, but I have no idea how to replicate it. And what happens more often is I see something... And I go buy the same thing and it doesn't look the way it looked on them. Like, mm-hmm. It doesn't look the way that it looked on the influencer. And right. so we we learn how do I interpret the aesthetic that I'm after into a thing that I can wear that actually makes sense on my body. Right. And that is just a, a major light bulb moment for people when they have this realization that like, oh, I can wear this. So one of my clients right now, she's uh, a little bit older, and she was like, her, when she started, her inspiration was all, um, in her words, six foot tall, scandy models. Oh, you know, no. this Very like <laughs> model <laughs> off duty, like kind of slouchy boyfriend jeans and like right. a big old oversized turtleneck. And, you know, she is very uh, short and very slim, a little bit curvy, but has a very kind of pointy bone structure in her face. And she was like, I look like I'm a potato sack when I wear that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so first, what we do is we go away. We're like, okay, well, those things aren't working on you. Let's go away. Let's go find things that that fit on your body, that honor your body. And about four or five months in, we've actually come back around. She posted an outfit in, our, um, in her private feed the other day with uh, these like patched and worn jeans that used to be her grandfather's or her dad's something uh these like patch jeans that used to be her dad's and they look incredible they have that boyfriend aesthetic and she had gotten them altered to actually fit her and you know have the correct length and the correct shape and she was wearing them with a top and you know with shoes with other things that actually made sense for her and we were like hey look this is the aesthetic that you were pinning you know in your inspiration. Only it's been translated into things that actually make sense on your body. That's amazing. Instead of just like buying the same jeans that the six foot tall scanning model had and been like, why doesn't this work?
0: Mm-hmm. I and love so you that. Know,
3: I really, I think, I do too. And and to me, those are the biggest wins because it's it's this idea that like, yes, you can wear that. Mm-hmm. But there are certain shapes and proportions and things that are going to work better on you. And a lot of times people have taken that to mean... um you can't wear right mm-hmm. like oh can't. if you're it's always right, can't yeah right right if if you're if you have broad shoulders you can't wear you know this kind of shirt or like if you're curvy you can't have you can't do straight leg jeans or like if you're apple shaped like it's but all <laughs> of that stuff like, these rules, these, you know, can't wear stripes, wear v-necks, wear wrap things, like, all of these Ugh, rules came from it. somewhere. Yeah. Well, but they came from somewhere, right? Because part of what makes them so persistent is that you can't deny that we have different bodies.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, nobody's going to confuse, you know, Tilda Swinton and Dita Von Teese and, like, Amelia Clark or, like, Lupita Nyong'o. Like, nobody's going to get their them be like, oh, they're going to wear exactly the same clothes. Right, right. Like, of course not. And so when we you put the same thing on you and your friend in the dressing room, you're like, wow, that looks amazing on you. Why does it look like a potato sack on me? Like, mm-hmm. why does this make me look lumpy? It was like, well, we do have different bodies. And there are shapes and uh, proportions and lengths and visual tricks, right, that mm-hmm. do things on different bodies that work better or not. Um, and... What I don't like is that when we reduce that down to, I can't wear mini skirts.
0: Right, right. <laughs> well, it's like,
3: well, okay, okay. I can't wear mini skirts like that. I can't wear that length. I actually prefer a midi length, but I can figure out how to find and wear a miniskirt in a way that makes sense on my
0: body. Right. I think it's the can't, right? Yes. And it's the can't that I think leads us to buy a lot of things that we don't feel comfortable in. Because yes. we hear the can't and we believe the can't, but we still want what right. we can't, supposedly can't wear. <laughs> can't and then wear. what yeah. happens is that we never wear these things. Exactly. You know, right. It, it's like coming to terms with what you want to wear and sticking with that you know, making and, it work for you. And
3: what works, what, what honors your body? Right. Um, I work with a lot of clients, myself included, who are curvier than your yeah, standard pattern brand for mm-hmm. like your, your standard pattern from a brand. Right. Yeah. And so like, I can't, there's no pant that doesn't waste gap on me. And I think that's true for a lot of my clients, you know, I'm like, oh, the straight legs jeans don't look straight or like things don't look the way that they look on the model, and. I mean, you you worked in fashion. You know about how clothes are made. And mm-hmm. I think you know, listeners, you're probably aware of this if you've been listening to the podcast too. It's like there are things that are made for certain bodies. And I don't just mean skinny bodies. Like all patterns are made for a, some shape.
0: Yeah. And honestly, from brand to brand, it will vary, right? It's what for, they're leaning yes. into. Like when I worked at ModCloth, we really focused on all of our patterns fitting an hourglass shape. Some right. people have that. Some people don't. Some people But don't. it's not wrong, wrong to not be our yes. best shape. But of course, exactly. you're going to try those clothes on and feel frustrated. Whereas I definitely, like Levi's, for example, I haven't bought a pair of them in so long because they were made for such a straight body. Straight like, body. Like, I get yeah. the massive gap too, right? Yeah. Like, above my yeah. butt. And so I... Well, it turns I out s- you put
3: on a pair of jeans that fits, that is designed... That the pattern is designed for a body that is closer to the shape of your body. Mm-hmm. It's not just size, right? It's not just no. You know, it's the 24, shape. Right? 32 It's the shape. And so, when you find things that honor your body, it turns out that you can make a lot of aesthetics look the way that you want to look if the clothes are actually fitting you in the way that they in in a way that actually honors your body instead of putting on things that just do not belong on your body I, I tell my clients the attitude that you need to bring to this is I am offended that these clothes make me look <laughs> worse than I look naked
0: yeah I love that me off. it's true it makes me angry too I don't you know what it pisses me off that clothes are made to make you look bad or feel bad you know or and feel bad I've worked places where I'm gonna be honest we said we th- we looked at it in the final fit session, and we were like, "This is not working." And it was like, "Well, we're so close to delivery now; we just have to take it." And it, they would always be like, "Well, it'll fit someone." You know what? That makes me really angry. It, it because won't fit so most many, people, and then right. they'll
3: give you their money, and then they'll take it home and feel bad about themselves, and come exactly, back and buy something else.
0: Exactly, I hate it it's so water. much. And like, yeah. this is just how it goes. Do I think it's okay? Absolutely not. But I think we need to stop hating ourselves for not being whatever pattern that company was failing to produce in the first place like i i just or, or even if
3: they were doing it on purpose like it's it just makes no sense to me because for or it makes no sense to me that we put that on ourselves like i wouldn't i am very curvy i'm mm-hmm. th- three to four sizes different in the butt and the waist when I put on a pair of pants that is the same measurement in the hip and the waist, I'm like, I'm not like, Oh, must be me. I'm like, no, these pants are wrong. These pants are just <laughs> not correct for that's me. Right. And, that's right. and the inverse is true. The inverse is true. I, my best friend for a long time was incredibly straight up and down and we wore the same quote unquote size. Like mm-hmm. we had the same waist measurement and we could not wear the same clothes at all. It's was just like, well, there's stuff that's going to fit her and there's stuff that's going to fit me. It's like, there's food I don't like to eat
0: yeah that's a great way to look at it it's just and you know like I think that we tend to try something on and it doesn't work and I will say this because I experience it constantly myself even though I know better and know Mm. how these crazy fitting clothes end up in stores I still am like uh if only I were this then yes. this thing I wanted so badly to work would work. And I always put it on myself. I'm always the problem. And I, I, I just want us all to stop doing that.
3: I, I do too. That, that is a huge thing, yeah. uh, a huge win that I see with my clients. I hear often that the exercises that they do specifically around um, taking outfit photos. Mm-hmm. Um, so listeners, I want to encourage you to do this Um take photos of your outfits and you know at first people are like oh that's weird and I'm uncomfortable or oh (laughs) that's really um you know it's it's shallow or it's um what's the word I'm looking
0: for sort of silly right it's like a not a good use of time people would probably yeah, argue but also like um vain maybe <laughs> yeah it is i mean but it, like listen i get that we've gotten in our heads about that kind of stuff because of influencer culture you don't have to show
3: anybody yeah you don't have to show anybody i'm actually working on a project for outfit logging and reflecting on this and so if anybody is like oh, i really want to try outfit photo logging but i'm scared and like send me a message because i want to talk to you cool um but i tell people like take take photos and you don't have to look at them every day, but when you look at them across time, something really magical happens. And and I hear from my clients constantly after a couple months of this where they're like, "I was so afraid to start taking outfit photos." The first assignment that I have people do in the unfolding is take outfit photos for 14 days, and people are like losing their oh my god. Probably 75% of people continue to outfit log for months, like six months permanently. Because what happens is you're bringing your mental conception of yourself and reality closer together. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to look at what you're actually wearing and go, oh, this looks good. I don't like the way that this looks. And then as you, as we learn that we, we buy new things or we alter things. We start making different combinations that we feel better and we can actually literally see our progress. And so what happens um, I had a client, uh, her name was also Amanda, funnily enough, and she was like, my body judgment completely disappeared after doing this because. That's amazing. I just know now that I can make something look the way that I want it to look, and I can see that I have physical evidence. Mm-hmm. And so when I go and I try something on and it looks stupid, I'm like, no, I like, I refuse to. Bring this into my life. And I know, because I know I have stuff at home that works. I have a jumpsuit at home, at home that works. Why this one isn't coming home with me and I don't feel bad. I mean, look, do we, you still feel it sometimes you still have that little voice in your head or you have a bad body day. Absolutely. Yeah. But if that's something that you struggle with every time you go into the dressing room or when you're making an outfit every morning, start taking outfit photos and see where it gets you.
0: Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I love that. Let's talk about how we can make substantial change in our lives as humans, especially when we're talking about, you know, I'm not talking about like what you eat or where you work (laughs) or what your spiritual beliefs are. This is a podcast about clothing. So let's talk about (laughs) how you can make substantial changes in your own approach to your style and shopping and all the things. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And this is, you know, you were asking before, like what do you do in the unfolding? And I feel like if I had to really describe it, it's this. It's changing your behavior around style and changing how you dress and how you changing how you dress and how you shop. That is behavior change because Mm -hmm. style is really the external manifestation of who we are inside, how we feel, who we believe we are, how we want to show up the, the group that we think we belong to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I can best kind of talk about this around the sense of like effortless style. We have turned that into an aesthetic and we're like, oh, I want effortless style. But effortless is a feeling. Effortlessness is a a sense. It's not a thing that you can buy. And so you can have a sense of effortlessness or what I call wardrobe ease, regardless of what aesthetic that you wear. Um, You know, it doesn't have to be straight leg jeans and white t-shirts. And so if you're always reaching for that external vision, this sort of like surface level understanding, it's going to feel really far away. And so when we think about behavior change from a style perspective, I really want us to think about how do we start defining and taking action toward whatever it is that we are striving for, like whatever it is that we're craving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, you know, if if it's more effortlessness or if it's being taken more seriously or if it's You know be more comfortable in your body or if it's i mean you know whatever those things are style is often the way that we start to push at those things and try to bring them into our life right so think about a time that you've maybe you've moved cross-country or your body has changed or you have felt like you have become a different person in some way Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. that starts to manifest through how you dress that is often one of the places that that manifests, and so you know, at first you're like just feeling that it feels wrong. You're like these clothes don't feel like they belong on me anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: but then yeah. how do you how do you start? How do you change that? And and then you know, people are straight like, oh, I book I go shopping.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I mean. As you're talking about that, I thought about times in my life where I had that feeling. And I was like, oh, there's only one cure for this. It's to buy a shit ton of stuff. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> and, and I think, you know,
3: shopping, buying new things to fit your self-image is not bad. Right. Like, I want to be really clear about that. Sometimes the the result that you want is at the other end of buying some things. Um, I worked with a client. She was a mom and an entrepreneur. And, you know, she had been a teacher. She quit her job started working on her business pandemic hit she was like I have like five things that fit me and I'm about to go out like on a fundraising tour for my business like Mm -hmm. I can't wear these ratty leggings and this t-shirt from three years ago like it's (laughs) it's not so like it's it's not it's not just um change your insides and then you won't want to shop like it's not quite that simple either. Oh,
0: totally. I mean, I think, you know, I'm glad that you're talking about this because I think, and this kind of goes back to like diet culture again, and mm-hmm. our consumption of clothes being really a metaphor for that, or at least maybe not even metaphor, just following a lot of that same very flawed logic. I will often... Every time I post about, like, you know, the statistics about how much new clothing people buy every year, a few people show up every time to be like, I'm wearing the same clothes I wore since high school, and I'm 45. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? Congratulations to you. That's amazing. Congrats that your body hasn't changed. Right, for one, and that you haven't lived anywhere else or had a different job or Mm. the millions of other things. Like, buying new clothes doesn't make you a monster. Who doesn't care? (laughs) It goes back to that cool girl idea, right? Who doesn't
3: care about the the environment right right like you can only
0: care about one thing at a time (laughs) yeah this is like and and I cannot emphasize that enough that it is normal to need new clothes like you're not a bad person because you moved to a different part of the country or your body changed or you got Mm -hmm. a different job where you know there was a dress code or suddenly you just who you were inside changed and you didn't feel comfortable wearing those clothes anymore right? right like that's okay, I think that this idea that you should get some clothes and then never f- buy new clothes ever again unless you want to be a monster is that same diet culture idea that you'll be superior if you eat the least amount of food. Right. Right? Yeah.
3: Yes. The, the diet culture thing is <laughs> – it's it blows people's minds, but, but really think about it. You go through a cycle of uh, restricting – Mm -hmm. And then that doesn't work, so you give up. So you binge, then you believe it's a personal moral failing, and then you restrict again. Mm -hmm. Am I talking about diets, or am I talking about shopping no buys?
0: Oh, my God. I mean, I literally hear people say, not maybe hear them say, I read people (laughs) saying, let's say that, but I hear their voices in my head when I read it, uh, saying, I'm on a shopping diet. I've seen (sighs) that.
3: Yes. Yeah. And again, it's we've talked a lot about motivations on this episode, so I'm not going to rehash it, but it's those same motivations, right? So we need to unpack those motivations and kind of bring to light, like, why am I doing this? Like, what is this repetitive unwanted behavior of like, I mean, I I was the person who was like racing to the mall after work to see what was on sale. Like oh, I have totally. I have been there and yeah. it was, there's always like this value identity, value behavior mismatch, right? And we're trying to force ourselves mm-hmm. to force myself to stop buying fast fashion force myself to stop going to the mall like there's no I don't think there's any situation in which like forcing yourself actually fixes the thing because it's it's fixing the it's working on the symptom it's not actually fixing the underlying behavior the underlying motivation for that behavior because like you were talking about around you know perfection it's like oh I want the one perfect wardrobe that's never going to change or I never really feel good and that's tied back into like feeling, you know, like belonging or I don't want to fail and I buy things and then it doesn't work on me and that's a failure. So I'm a failure. So I just need to get the next one. And like, there's all these
0: Mm -hmm.
3: things underneath. And so how do we, you know, we were talking about like how do we actually make this kind of substantial change? And it's really getting at that underlying story. And I think that um that's really about taking incremental action um we often think it's about like learning we're like oh i need to learn more about you know what makes ethical you know ethical fashion or you know sustainable fashion or like learn more about clothes or like learn more about marketing tactics or psychology or, or whatever um but the biggest thing that i see is that you have to start taking some kind of action mm-hmm. and i touched on this when i was talking about taking it seriously taking action doesn't have to
0: be i'm going on a no buy oh like it's always a no flip. buy right which like listen for some people
2: can or be a really beneficial
0: ben- beneficial reset like i totally yes. acknowledge that for me but losing it's a, my it's a job tactic. it is a tactic losing my job in the beginning of the pandemic and not being able to buy anything because of that really helped me see more about what I what my clothes meant to me, right? And actually yeah. helped me really solidify once and for a while that I actually have really great style and everybody else can <laughs> shut the fuck up, right? Yes. Um, in, in psychology, this is a fresh start. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. But I do think that no buy or I can never buy fast fashion again mm-hmm, is so, mm-hmm. it's dieting. It
3: is, and it, because it's so rigid. It doesn't actually connect yeah. to your needs in your life. So, you know, I... I, there is a fast fashion brand who makes curvy jeans that I truly love because I would rather have a pair of fast fashion curvy jeans that fit me, mm-hmm. that are made on a pattern that fits my body that I will actually wear than a hundred pairs of perfectly ethical, you know, no water, no chemicals, like... That don't fit does, you. Like, that don't, <laughs> they don't fit. I'm not going to yeah. wear them. Like, right. what's the point of that? And so, again, you're kind of starting to look at what you are actually doing, how you are actually acting and taking action on that. And so sometimes that's just recognizing patterns of behavior. Sometimes that is, you know, around what do I actually value? Mm -hmm. What, 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 what levers am I willing to pull? Um, You know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, I'm going to shop. I want to shop more ethically or I want to shop, you know, sustainably. I don't want to buy fast fashion. And even regardless of your budget, right? Like, regardless of what you can afford, this becomes an overwhelmingly big um, moral imperative. Yes. yes. It's like, ah, I will only buy ethical things. Uh, what does that mean?
0: Right. What? I mean, I think that we get, we uh. get, this is like, and I like, I cannot underscore enough the number of messages I get on a regular basis asking me what ethical things someone can buy. And I am always like, it's the thing that you're going to wear the most and take care of. Yes, yes. And not buy, and like, do I hope that that's not from Shein? Of course I do. But if realistically, that's the only place you can get, Pants where you're actually going to wear them all the time, and you're not going to go out and buy 10 when you only need two. Yes. Fine. Don't beat yourself up. I mean, listen, I've tried to fit into the like ethical fashion box a few years ago where I was like, okay, I'm only going to buy this. I went buy Elizabeth Suzanne face. Right. And you know what? Not for my body type. I, I felt like I was wearing a costume. I was Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable. I didn't feel confident about my stuff. And I ended up like reselling all that stuff because I couldn't wear it.
3: And that's not sustainable. No. Like emotionally. It's not sustainable environmentally, but it's also not sustainable in the, you know, we're talking about diet culture that like restrict force. Like there's no ease there. There's no ease in like, well, I should be wearing this or like I bought it. And so I, you know, oh, but it's ethical. Therefore it's good. And if I wear my other stuff that I like better, like I'm bad for liking my fast fashion stuff better. And I think we put, a big piece that i want to kind of mention here is that we take these kinds of failures or you know i said moral imperative earlier we take these sort of preferences to be um Mm -hmm. you know failure is a a personal moral failing or like oh i like these fast fashion jeans
0: does that make me a bad person it's like we We put so much moral imperative on it it's crazy
3: we do and and in reality when i think about changing your behavior to i say align your values uh, align you know your values in your shopping and your style or wear your values right it's not just this sort of neoliberal like oh well, i'm just going to buy all these quote unquote good brands therefore i am good mm-hmm. it's how do i dress in a way that makes me feel good while shopping in a way that makes me feel good that fits into my lifestyle that fits into my financial goals and you know financial capability that fits into the climate that I live in um Amanda and I you know we're both in Austin Texas like it's hot like there are things (laughs) that I like wear in the summer love me a technical polyester not not like not polyester um what am I trying to say like a like a technical like athletic fabric like in the summer that yeah. doesn't wicking it doesn't show sweat I'm like yeah okay it's plastic but like it's 102 degrees like I'm not I'm not wearing jeans I'm sorry
0: I oh, so- I struggled so hard here this summer like I just felt like there were rarely days where I was comfortable like it I'm gonna have to revisit like this weather you know mm-hmm. and how I dress for it
3: yeah. But if you get to some equilibrium, and, and I say equilibrium, because again, you're going to move. And then what?
0: Yeah, like, ex- I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's definitely something I think about, too. This whole year, I was like, well, the best thing I can do is make sure that I don't live in Austin at this time next year. <laughs> like, that's really where I was, where I was like, yeah, that's probably the best approach going forward. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, like, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big Decision yes. based on I yeah. mean, she was just like I can't handle this heat. I don't know what to yeah, wear. Yeah, but this is
3: but this is like we say I can't find the right clothes. I need to buy more clothes. But when the reality is like I don't know if I want to live in this weather anymore. Like I don't know if this is a good fit for me. Or yeah, like, I don't.
0: Like, exactly. That's exactly it, how I felt. so
3: many. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to I want to just real quick for listeners kind of touch on like what are a couple things that you can kind of do to start thinking about this kind of behavior change or thinking about changing your style your personal evolution and you know when you're talking about moving there's a book um it's called how to change by katie milkman she talks about this idea of a fresh start Mm. and a fresh start is january 1st a fresh start is your birthday a fresh start is moving to a new city um and so you know whenever you hear about people being like you were talking about oh because of the pandemic, like that was a forced fresh start for me because mm-hmm. I didn't have money to shop. and so it, it kind of like put this huge shift around the way that you you know show up in your clothes and the way that you shop. First thing for people, if you can identify or if, if you have recently had or if you are about to have something that is a fresh start, and a lot of times these feel really emotionally impactful. So again, moving job, uh, you know marriage divorce, gender transition, body change, like all of these big things. Start then thinking about what is it that I like, how do I want to show up? What are the things that I have said that I want to do more of or value more of? And maybe it's by less fast fashion. Um, and then start thinking about how can I kind of start to sprinkle these in when all the other things around are changing as well? Or like, oh, I'm going to move to a new city. And so I'm going to shop differently. I'm going to shop with different motivations and different, um, you know, Goals because I'm now in this new climate. Right. And the second thing is to stop making everything so absolute. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's not no fast fashion, it's less fast fashion. It's, I'm going to, uh, this is a big one, I'm going to save up for, you know, one nice thing instead of buying 10 crappy ones. And again, getting at those underlying motivations. Well, I want to do that because I want nicer quality things and I want to you know, buy from brands that align with my values more, but I don't do it, not because I don't actually have the money in this hypothetical case, but because it's easier to buy these other 10 things or I'm afraid if I buy it and it doesn't work, then it's wrong, therefore I'm wrong, therefore I'm bad at shopping and I've <laughs> wasted my money. And you know, so taking these very absolutists Uh, viewpoints um, whether that's no buy no fast fashion uh, I can't wear that wrong body like any of those things and and softening them up a little bit and and then being like what happens if and what am I afraid of right Um, why would this be bad like is that true Am I, am I bad at shopping? Whatever it is, kind of interrogating that and saying, you know, is that true? Um, So I always, a thing that I always tell my clients to do is, is reframe um, anything that's an absolute. So if you say, I can't wear that, or I'm bad at shopping, you Mm -hmm. kind of soften that reframe as a practice. Um, I'm not sure I can wear that, or I'm not comfortable wearing that, or I have had a lot of shopping failures, I feel like I don't know enough to shop in the way that I want to shop or I'm working on being more strategic when I shop and it completely changes the way that you approach what happens afterwards with kind of a spirit of experimentation. You're like, oh, I, I haven't had a lot of success at shopping because I wait till the last minute. And then I'm freaking out and then I buy just the first thing because I'm
0: overwhelmed and then mm-hmm. it doesn't
3: work. Well, oh, well, what would happen
0: if I didn't wait until the last minute? Yeah, that's a great one. I think, I mean, man, impulse, procrastination, uh, this leads to so much stuff we don't love. And again, there's motivations under all of that. Right, right, Totally. <laughs> But I, I agree. I mean, I even, like, you know, we're getting into that gifting time of year, whether you like it or not. And, uh, you know, my biggest advice for people is, like, don't buy impulse gifts that because you waited until the last minute because those are the things that always end up in a in landfill or at the yep. thrift store, right? Always, mm-hmm. always. Always. We've all we've all been there. We have to stop doing it, you know?
3: Yes. We, we have um, not banned gifts, but for many years, my family, we have... We don't do gifts. And that's easy for us because we have only adult children. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's that definitely no, makes There's it no easy. children. Um, but, you know, we're just
0: like, I can choose for myself. And. Yeah, exactly. That's how I feel about it, too. But I yeah. think the same goes for like when you, I mean, listen, I have found myself like, oh, there's this thing happening this weekend. And, or like, even I'm, my, one of my weak areas is like, I will put up, buying a bathing suit until like two days before I'm leaving for a trip where I 100% need a need. bathing suit. And here's mm-hmm. the thing. I in. that's con- a hard
3: thing to find in like a short in store um, in a short yeah, period of time. Totally,
0: totally. And here's the thing. I'm constantly in need of a bathing suit because every single time I procrastinate. I order a bunch of shitty bathing suits from somewhere that are just like, I'm going to try them on with the expectation of keeping one and returning them. And then I return them all. And then I'm back on this trip again without a bathing suit sitting by the pool instead of getting in it. And like, I- right, it's like,
3: that's, that's not your, this is what I talk about when I say caring about this stuff, caring about style can be a value. You know what? I value getting in the damn pool.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like having a freaking vacation. Like I'm going to buy a swimsuit
3: that I feel good in so that when I go on vacation, I can get in the pool and be present and not be worrying about whether or not my tits are about to fall out of this bathing suit. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Like how can you tell me that that's not important? I know, I know. Like that is, I feel like people are hearing this right now and they're like, oh my God, this is like, I feel this. And it's, the bathing suit is probably the most extreme example of it because it is, one of the hardest things to find. Right. And And it's like, if it's not the right time of year, it's hard to find it. Going to try them on is like a nightmare. You know, like, it's probably one of the most loaded things we can buy. But then, yeah, um, I don't even wear jeans (laughs) because I can't handle the (laughs) the psychological trauma of it. But (laughs) uh, I- I'm
3: laughing because it's like, not funny. It's
0: just true. It's true. And so, like, I, but I see this playing out for people with, some sort of dress that they need to wear for, like, a wedding or a graduation or something they need for a job interview or I could go on and on and on. Anytime there's, like, a special outfit called for. People do this with Halloween, right? Mm-hmm. Halloween is, like, just happened. How many people went to – I mean, nobody's listening to this, of course. Went mm-hmm. to – You to definitely Halloween. didn't go buy some, like, crappy polyester sack of a costume. Exactly. No. And, like, whatever was hanging – like, oh, you, they went to Target – There was like three things hanging left on the aisle because that's how it always is. And they were all terrible. And you bought one and you wore it one time and you were super miserable. And you knew when you came home that night that you were never going to wear it again. Yeah. You knew that as you were paying for it at the checkout, you know? Yes. And I think that these are like, unfortunately, we have to hold ourselves accountable in that way to not procrastinate because we miss out on good times on top of wasting stuff.
3: Yes. And, and again, this to me, this is about taking it seriously. Um, if you are avoidant in some way because like, oh, well I don't really want to spend the money and like, or I'm scared to spend the money and like get something that doesn't work for me. Or historically I've had such bad luck, e.g. with bathing suits or with wedding dresses that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to go back and do that thing. I'm not willing to go to the mall and put myself in that situation. Or like, I'm so anxious about showing up as a guest at this wedding. And like, what is, you know, cocktail attire even mean? And like, right? how do I, how do I navigate this situation? And then like, and it's all of your beliefs about who you are and how you want to show up and finding something that's going to work for you. And so it's like all this other stuff. And so of course we're like, well, this is really hard and big um it's like this whole project and so we have these like self-fulfilling things that happen and so when i talk about taking it seriously i mean okay, starting right now, you can't just be like, oh, I already have a wedding guest dress. You have to actually go by and find one so that mm-hmm. for the next 10 weddings, you have a guest dress to wear, right? Like you have something that you can keep in your closet. And make and sure you we, love it, you know? Well, oh, well, yeah. And like, that's, but I mean, that's something that we crave. We say that we want, but to actually get there, we have to actually stop and sit down and go, well, what is, what does that mean? And I think a lot of us act as if we will just know when we f- see it, <laughs> but that's not actually true. And so there's some some self-work that kind of has to happen.
0: Let's take a moment to thank some of the incredible small businesses who keep Clothes Horse going via their generous Patreon support. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed, vintage, or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room. All while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at late-to-the-party-people. Vino Vintage, based just outside of L.A., we love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriela Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. Help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at DylanPage.com and find us on Instagram at style. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Gentle Vibes Vintage. In addition to clothing, the shop also features a large selection of vintage vinyl and old school video games. Find them on Instagram at High Energy Vintage, online at HighEnergyVintage.com, and at markets in and around Boston. Vagabond Vintage DTLV is a vintage clothing, accessories, and decor reselling business based in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Not only do we sell in Las Vegas, but we're also located throughout resale markets in San Francisco, as well as at a curated boutique called Lux and Ivy located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Jessica, the founder and owner of Vagabond Vintage DTLV, recently opened the first IRL location located in the Arts District of Downtown Las Vegas on August 5th. The shop has a strong emphasis on 60s and 70s garments, single-stitch tees, and dreamy loungewear. Follow them on Instagram at Vagabond Vintage DTLV and keep an eye out for their website coming fall of 2022. Okay, so you know we talked a lot here about the journeys that the people taking the un- involved in the unfolding, experiencing the unfolding, have had. But what what is your journey to creating unfolding? Because I doubt that you, the day you were born, like it was already in your head, and this was your <laughs> destiny, and it was foretold by the scrolls, the ancient scrolls, right? Like oh, maybe. <laughs> So tell us like how this because I mean, this is such a personal project. It's so about connecting with people and who they are and having them connect with their cell themselves. I know there has to be a great story for how you developed this or why you came to develop it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I came to this, I think, because I have been in the same place as a lot of my clients. Um, as, as a lot of you, as a lot of you listeners, right? Like, n- I'm not a fashion person. I think a lot of the style guides you see, um, you know, style books, the video courses, they are often uh, made by stylists. They're made by fashion people. Mm-hmm. And so there's all of this um, kind of implied or like already understood language or like visual Um, skill that they have. Um, But I, that wasn't me. Like I, like I said before, I worked in tech and I never felt stylish. Um, I was, you know, (laughs) agonizing over, all my outfit decisions. I was rushing to the mall after work to see what was on sale. I was you know that meme like we're oh, working forty hours a week to spend your hard
0: earned money on stuff you don't even like. I mean like, this is I, like try working in the fashion industry. That's exactly what your can't whole life imagine. Is. yeah.
3: I can't imagine. I mean I I wanted so much to, you know, find clothes that fit my body and that was such a struggle. Um I never really felt good. I would you know I I would put things on like by three o'clock. I would be like, oh I'm I feel this feels all wrong or like, I'm so uncomfortable. Like I'm, uh, one of my friends, you know who you are, if you're listening to this has given me the moniker, the sweatiest friend, um, (laughs) not just because I live in Austin, I am just naturally a sweaty beast. And that makes me very particular about like what I like to wear. I always, you know, I just always be uncomfortable, um and you know style was really a missing puzzle piece for me i got engaged in my very late 20s and i was like that was a fresh start for me i was like i have a job i like i live in a city that i like i have an amazing fiance um i like i'm gonna be an adult now like why why am i still buying crap that i don't wear why how why is it that i don't know how to dress what class did I miss in school what is it that everybody else knows that I don't know right and that's what it feels like that you have missed something essential that every other woman just knows and it took me a really long time to be like this is a skill that you can learn it's not like a gift bestowed by fairies at birth like I didn't miss getting sprinkled with the fairy dust like that's just not (laughs) that's not how it works um You know and i i talk about it a lot of times like math um there are some people who are kind of naturally skilled with numbers right like they they naturally think um in in uh, with with numbers they can do math in their head but we can all learn math like there is no human alive who was born knowing calculus
0: right right
3: nobody nobody comes out of the womb that way even if they come out with kind of a natural inclination or a natural talent, right? And so I think people who are quote unquote good at style naturally are maybe people who have you know, visual skills by mm-hmm. default. But I think a lot of the people that we think are good at fashion are societally beauty standard appropriate thin white women who clothes just look good on. Right, right. Like, why Why are models so tall and skinny? It's like because they're like a hanger.
0: Right. It's true. I think that, like, I mean, listen, this is something I'm going to be unpacking my entire life. Uh, I catch myself having very toxic thoughts about my body on a regular basis, even though I know these things that you're saying right now. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. we need to repeat them to one another and to ourselves as much as possible. Right.
3: And so I got, I got – to the point where I was like, I need to fix this. Like, I have a shopping addiction. I had credit card debt. I was behaving badly um and in a way that made me so ashamed of my own behavior and my own self. I was like, this is not who I want to be. And it wasn't that I wanted to be fashionable, it's that I wanted to fix, like, I wanted to get my shit together. Like, I wanted to be the kind of person who seemed like she had her shit together, but like, I wanted to actually have my shit together <laughs> like I wanted to <laughs> not be carrying credit card debt I wanted to not be like agonizing before every event that I went to or like buying 50 new things before I went to you know whatever new vacation I remember oh,
0: always the vacation clothes I
3: was, it's still it's still a trigger but <laughs> I'll tell you a really a shameful story there was one time where I bought a bunch of stuff at the mall this is definitely like a stress you know evening shopping trip and Um, I bought a pair of shoes from Aldo. (laughs) They were, like, a black suede, like, stiletto booty. And about a week later, I was like, where are those? Oh, no. And I realized that in my shame to, like, get rid of a – like, clean my closet and, like, get – a bunch of stuff like trash and like the you know shopping bags and stuff out of the way before my boyfriend who later became my fiance came over. I had thrown them
0: away. <gasps> this is In definitely. The I mean, this has not happened to me, but I have known this to happen to other friends. This is not like forget still having the
3: tags on it. I was like, what is wrong with oh my me? Gosh. This is like what are yeah. you doing? Because it was. It's not. just You know, it was the the shame. The shame of having it. The shame of having spent the money. Like racking up credit card debt like all that stuff and so I was like I I want to figure this out I need to get a handle on this and so I started looking at I mean I did curated closet you know I read that book I did the capsule wardrobes and like by the time I got to capsule wardrobes like I I had started at the same doing all the same things that I think a lot of you listeners right like you are probably doing Mm -hmm. and I was like this is not quite getting there like it was like superficially working right but i was doing i was doing like um unfancy style um who remembers unfancy.com
0: oh my I gosh i do her. i do remember but she that. was in
3: texas she was great she's super yeah. nice but like doing you know like seasonal capsules like that and i was like i remember it was like my fifth time fifth season i've been doing it for like a year or something and i was like making a spreadsheet and i was like how many things can i pack into this seasonal capsule with my budget and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not, that's not it.
0: Oh like, man. I mean, the the capsule wardrobe, I love oh, when this that's comes not, up. We don't even have time to get I into mean, it. all I'll just say there that to me, listen, if you have a capsule wardrobe and it works for you, I'm so Amazing. proud of you. Yeah. That's great. But it's like effortless style. It's such a. Right. Oh, it's so diet. It's like a, it's a closed diet. So it's so like fun. saying like, you can only have these 10 things. And if you have 12 or 15, you're a monster, <laughs> you know? And then you f- always, you set yourself up for failure. And listen, th- I know there are people out there who are thriving with a capsule wardrobe, but I also know a lot of people who got rid of all their stuff, got a capsule wardrobe. Bought the evolved- correct 12 things and hated right. it. Right, yeah. and then like within a year, bought a ton of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but again, like that's, that's
3: exactly the moment that I had with that spreadsheet. I was like, I'm missing the point. Like, I'm doing the tactic. And and I talk about this in uh, my, my training, getting stylish on your own terms. You're doing the tactics. You're doing the actions, the capsule wardrobe, the, you know, what three outfits can I make with this and I'm going to sleep on it before I make a decision and, like, all of these other things. Mm-hmm. But you still haven't gotten to thinking about your wardrobe as a whole system and your underlying motivations and your mindset and your emotions and your behaviors. And so that was really when my journey started. I was like, why am I like this? What am I doing? What am I striving for? What kind of perfect am I chasing? Why am I willing to buy, you know, five gray t-shirts, but not a nice coat, like for the same amount of money? Like what is happening under here? And once I started doing that, that turned into systems, strategies for kind of interrogating those things. And once I started doing that, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't just me. Like, this is not an Elise problem. Like, this is not Mm -hmm. a personal failing of mine to like, correctly manage my money. (laughs) Right. Or, or, you know, that my my butt is too big, or like, whatever. I was like, wait, okay, so I started trying to think about how how could this work for other people? Because, I mean, just because it worked for me doesn't mean it's going to work for other people. But starting to look at we, a lot of us have these fears or these motivations or like we all live in the same kind of culture. Um, and so I put out a call on uh, Instagram for some trial clients um, and so i I did a bunch of iterations or so we're thinking from the business perspective, I did a bunch of iterations, right? Like I worked with some coworkers, I did trial clients, I made tons and tons of like outlines and notes and I tried things and I actually just blogged about this. Like what was the process of actually developing it as a program? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's on my blog, at least styled if you want to read about it, because I think it's really important to note that we look at other people's finished results, mm-hmm. right? We, we look at their Instagram. We look at their outfit. We look at their business. We look at their one zillion podcast downloads and followers, and you know their whatever. And we're like, oh my god how how did they get there? Like they just knew how to do it. They just were born good at style. They were born with like oh they have all this like audience or you know what what's the one trick and like I need to to know how to do it. Um, I didn't make the unfolding all of a sudden because I knew like some magic thing that everybody else doesn't know, what I ended up doing was actually looking at how is this working for actual people other than me, like working with trial clients and being like, try this, try that. How do we get there? How do we interrogate this? And starting to see what was actually working for them and then setting that up into a system that helps you start to take action. Like that's the real secret of the unfolding. It's not that there's like magical information that you can't find on the internet it's (laughs) there's a (laughs) process by which you actually learn and integrate that information into your Mm -hmm. own life and that actually starts to change how you think about clothes how you make outfits how you shop um how you think about yourself and and how you approach the whole thing and so putting that into practice like that's the secret sauce like hey you can actually integrate this because i see I saw and I experienced, I read the book, I did the worksheet, and <laughs> then that was it. Like, it didn't go back into my life in any kind of substantial way.
0: Right, um, right. And
3: that's, that is really what I spent all my time trying to figure out was, like, how do I actually make it, make a program, make a thing where you can transform your relationship with clothes? Like, actually completely change how you think about and how you approach style, Like that was the goal. And that took iteration, just like working on our style does.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think that's so true. Like once again, this is not something that's going to happen overnight. And it's not something that happens without effort. I think that, you know, I mean, this is something I I confront a lot uh, on social media, you know, like, you know, in correspondence with listeners is this idea that like we are so – our, our impact as an individual is so small on an, you know as as one person that we should essentially just like not change at all because the really like you know the argument is always like well how could my impact on the world ever compare to Amazon so i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing and the reality yeah. is that no one gets off easy in in <laughs> this world okay we all have to do the work you know like if if we even just talk about climate change and we don't talk about Close at all, but like everybody's lives will have to change if we're going to save the planet from climate change, right? We're gonna have to take more public transportation. We're gonna have to carpool more often. We're gonna have to do more walking and riding bikes. And yeah, exactly. And get electric vehicles and on and on and on. Not turn the air conditioning so low, although I don't know how that works in Texas. But like (laughs) these are all things like we're gonna have to do, and there'll be systemic changes, right? That we'll be making as a society. And I think when it comes down to like, do you want to feel the best in your clothes? Do you want to have a a wardrobe that's truly sustainable, that makes you feel like your best self? You're going to have to put work into it. There's no just like switch that you flip. It's like, you're not gonna lose 60 pounds in six days, I hope, uh, and- uh, You should go to the hospital. You should definitely go to the hospital. You're probably bleeding somewhere. Um, and also you are not going to overnight suddenly have like a totally different relationship with clothing and how it makes you feel.
3: I, I totally agree, re-Amazon, right? Like my impact is never gonna be that big. Also, I have an impact and I'm really interested in what what is our individual experience? Right. Um, you know, rather than this sort of like broad global like education or like forcing, um, you have to change. Like I, a lot of times my clients come to me and they're like, I want to change. I want to shop more ethically. I care about climate change. I mm-hmm. also care about my style. And so how do you as a person exist in this very, very complicated environment and mm-hmm. care care and act according to your values in such a way that you can. Right. Like there's, there's, we have limited impact, but we have some impact. We also have other things that are happening in our life. And so we have to find, again, that equilibrium and that balance. And that's why, again, there's all these layers that I really focus on because I, I talk in my, in my training, um, about mindset and strategy and aesthetic because, Having an aesthetic without the mindset to wear the clothes, whether that's confidence or appropriateness or habits or like not owning them, or not being able to find them, is makes you unhappy with your style and your appearance. And you can have the confidence to wear whatever you want without the strategies to have a style that you like so that leads to overconsumption or the inverse which is avoidance right like Mm -hmm. not wearing or buying anything at all or like nothing fits my body so I'm just going to give up and wear you know a potato sack (laughs) but (laughs) yes. not knowing your aesthetic makes it hard to shop and dress and so you really have to have like all three of these layers you have to understand like I understand my aesthetic and I know it makes me feel good and when I do I don't even want to buy other stuff right and so then that but like to get to that point you have to learn how to shop in a way that actually gets you the result that you want. And you have to unpack, you know, the mindset and the motivations. And so my focus has really been not on quote unquote education, but on actionable, like incremental individual shift. And like, that is the only thing that we can actually do. Like, how do you actually start to change your behavior? Right. Like a little bit at a time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But you have to like start.
3: And that's the hardest part. Like, let's be honest, that is the hardest and scariest part. And so if you are out there and you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go like start changing. I'm going to go fix my style and define my aesthetic. What I want to encourage you to do is act more and study less. So if you're Mm going to go out there and read Curated Closet, or if you're going to go read my blog or if you're going to go like, that's great. Go take some outfit photos. Go think about what you value around sustainable or ethical fashion. Go think about you know how much your clothes and your lifestyle relate, and if you actually have the things that you need in your in your closet. And then like take an action on it. Like forget forget what you see other people doing. Forget Pinterest. Forget like the <laughs> I capsule think wardrobe. I have a lot forget. of hard
0: feelings against Pinterest, actually. a lot of people a lot of people do
3: and again but you don't you don't need to mimic that or like Mm -hmm. get hashtag inspo um, right to to improve your personal style like just from an aesthetic perspective like you have everything that it takes already in your own brain and heart to have a style that you feel really good at if you start looking inside
0: and stop looking outside I love that so true Well, thank you so much. What a delightful conversation. It was so fun. Can you just remind everyone where they can find you? absolutely uh, you can find me
3: on instagram at elise holiday um, or on my blog at elisestyle.com um, send me a dm anytime love to chat about this ad nauseum and if you message me and <laughs> i'm serious so if you message me and say that you listen to this podcast episode i'm going to send you a link where you can book a free 30 minute style coaching chat with me so please wow. send me a message and say hi i really want to i
0: really want to connect with you i love that well thank you so much You are so welcome.
3: Um, And if you're curious about the Unfolding program, you can find more about that at unfolding.style. If you want to apply for the program, there's a quick two-question application. Um, I'll personally review your application. Um, The two questions just help me verify that the program is a good fit for you and give us a starting point to chat. Um, And if it is a good fit, I'll give you complimentary access to the first program video, uh, getting stylish on your own terms. You can kind of try on my teaching style. You can see my framework where I talk about those three things, the, you know, aesthetic um, mindset and strategy. You can see some client stories um, and you'll see the phases of the style journey ahead of you. So after you watch that training, you can decide if the unfolding is right for you. If you have any questions or you want to hear more about it, just send me a message on Instagram.
0: Yay! Thank you so much. Thank I you. really can't wait to hear about what happens next with the people who reach out to you because you're definitely going to hear from some people.
3: I I hope so. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, I think this is so important it's not just important in the you know climate way or like the fashion industry way i think it's really important for people like as an individual the things that i hear from my clients about how they feel how they feel when they shop how they feel in their bodies mm-hmm. in their everyday clothes like i talk about wardrobe ease that's my thing it's like it actually is possible for this to feel like easy
0: Yeah. And not traumatic and not a day where you just hated everything about yourself and went home and felt really sad. I think so many of us have had that shopping experience, have had that really just fraught experience with clothing as a whole. Mm -hmm. And it's time for us to break up with that.
3: I think we believe that it's like maybe possible for other people again it's like oh they're just they're just it's easy for them they were just born that way but it's never gonna be that way for me and and I just want to tell you it absolutely can be way less painful than it is right now that actually is possible um it's it takes some effort takes effort to be effortless (laughs) but it
0: it's worth the effort yeah (laughs) yes (laughs) If you're enjoying this episode, then this is a great time to remind you that my work here at Close Horse is made possible by the support of listeners like you, just like NPR, and these great small businesses. Please go give them your support. Blank Cass, or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles. By embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment. I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore cast and a website will be launched soon at blankcast.com. Located in Whistler, Canada. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City-based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. New Vintage is released every Thursday at com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at wear underscore Evans. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom and pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul, and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl, or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns. Handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed. Made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnicware, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnic Wear in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnic Wear recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnic wear offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. Find us on Instagram at Cute Little Ruin. The Pewter Thimble is a curated secondhand shop based out of Rome, Italy. Owner Desiree Marie Townley has a background in costuming and makeup for dance and opera, and focuses on dressing for the character you want to be in the world. Curated collections are dropped in a story sale and always have a specialized theme, like the color palette of Starry Night, the film classic Casablanca, and the children's novel The Secret Garden. Desiree works with local artisans, and pieces are rescued from markets and rehabilitated and resold with worldwide shipping. The pewter thimble is a collection of pieces that will have eternal style from the eternal city. Discover more on Instagram at the pewter thimble. Thanks again to Elise for taking the time to talk to me. I had such a blast. Uh, it's kind of weird in retrospect to realize that I totally probably could have re- recorded that conversation in person with Elise, but it doesn't even occur to me anymore. <laughs> okay, someday I'm going to record another episode IRL. I just know it. Anyway, you can find out more about the unfolding and everything else Elise does by starting with her Instagram profile at Elise Holiday, and I'll share all of her other links, including her Instagram, in the show notes. I just want to end everything by saying this. For most of my life, I found myself buying and wearing things that were less about what I wanted or who I was and more about fitting or changing others' perspective of me. As a teenager, it was about being cool and pretty but not too feminine and just edgy enough and I wore a lot of pants and t-shirts and things that weren't really who I was and I definitely didn't want people to know that I was poor, even though I was, and so a lot of the ways I dressed were about disguising that, of trying to fit in. As a young adult, it was more about being sexy in a way that had nothing to do with what I felt was sexy, personally, and more about this male-gaze-focused version of a sexy. And for me, that often meant uncomfortable. As a professional in the fashion industry, it was all about proving that I was worthy of being there that my body was okay enough, that I was stylish and cool enough, that I didn't come from a lower class background. Whew, that's no pressure to put on a wardrobe, right? <laughs> Couple that with like having a budget and it's like, whoa, how do we even make all those dots connect? Well, guess what? You don't have to do that. Starting Clothes Horse was my first move toward being who I truly am, and don't think that I didn't have a ton of imposter syndrome about that, because all of the people on social media discussing sustainability and fashion had that uniform, that look, and it wasn't my aesthetic. I love color and floofy, ridiculous clothes. I have very adorable tattoos of children's book illustrations and Hello Kitty and flowers, and I don't look good in beige because I am kind of beige colored. I am a fashion peacock through and through, a true clothes horse. And in fact, the title clothes horse came from my friend Jem, who's been a guest on the show many times, who used to introduce me to people as Amanda, a bon vivant and certified clothes horse. In the early days of clothes horse, I second guessed my love of pink and vintage children's illustrations and just general cuteness because it didn't fit with the neutral tone world of sustainable fashion online. I can assure you that people have reached out to me on Instagram to say, I find your, quote, feminine art direction off-putting. It doesn't make me feel like I can be a part of that. At the same time, I hear from even more people who say, thank you for making me feel seen here. And I think the best thing I can do with my platform, with my knowledge, with this community is be who I really am and show who I really am and you know part of that is the aesthetic that I share on Instagram. Somewhere along the line all of this clicked clicked into place. My imposter syndrome seemed to move into the background. I mean it still creeps up like as a non-binary person, I have found it difficult to get others to recognize and respect that I'm non-binary because of how I dress. I know that's more of a societal issue than something that I'm doing wrong. But wow, it's, it's definitely something I have to remind myself of every day where I'm like, do I need to start wearing pants now? No, no, I don't. I just need to be who I am. Here's the thing. There is no uniform for sustainability. There is no uniform for activist. There is no uniform for non-binary or mom or environmentalist or any of the other words that make up your identity. You get to decide what you wear. And when you feel good about what you're wearing, when you feel that emotional comfort that comes with the right clothes, your wardrobe will be more ethical and sustainable because you won't need more stuff. You'll end the cycle of buy, wear once or not at all, donate, buy again, wear once or not at all, donate, you know. We've all been on that merry-go-round. It's amazing how knowing yourself and loving yourself intersects with slow fashion, with sustainability and ethics. When you figure it out, it is life-changing. So much of our consumerism is based in our psyche. I would urge all of you who are really struggling with who you are, how you feel comfortable, to reach out to Elise. Or at the very least, take a step back and take a look at your closet. What is for you? And what is for others? Answering these questions will reveal a lot, and I mean, seriously, it did for me, about the patterns you are living over and over. Man, it felt so freeing to just start dressing for myself and not for other people to make them like me or feel that I was part of something that I maybe wasn't a part of, or maybe I was already a part of it, but didn't know because I had that imposter syndrome. It turns out that working on yourself is an important part of working on the world. So let's support one another as we do this. We're all working on it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Close Horse. If you like what you're hearing, you know what I'm going to say. Please leave a rating or maybe even a review on Apple Podcasts. But even more importantly, even better, I would say, suggest Close Horse to a friend. That's that's how we make change, is by getting more people involved, right? If you'd like to support my work here on Close Horse, you can learn more at, at, at patreon.com slash podcast. Thanks, as always, to my other half, Dustin Travis White, for our music and audio support. Bye.